rise and shine. Pour yourself a cup of coffee and tune in to Good Morning Aurora. News, weather, and really cool interviews. Monday through Friday from 8 to 9 a.m. Good morning, Aurora. Good morning, Aurora. The time is 8.01 a.m. You are listening to and watching Good Morning, Aurora, the second largest city's first daily news podcast. We have a great show and interview for you today. Our guest is Congressman Bill Foster, who is returning to the show, and we are very happy and proud to have him indeed. And it's his first time in our brand new location. How are you, Congressman? Yeah, very impressive new location. All right. I'm glad to, glad you're here. Uh, very excited to talk to you. The last time we spoke to you, uh, it's been quite some time now, so a lot has transpired between then um, and now. Yes. <laughs> yep. But first off, how are you feeling today how do you feel oh it's good to be back home you know we've had a crazy couple of weeks in washington dc and it's still not settled right you know i think on tuesday when i fly back to dc we're going to have you know the great orange one coming in to Mm -hmm. um, bless uh, the speak the new republican speaker of the house right presumably or at least attempt to bless him there may still be a fight going on okay there's been basically a civil war inside the republican caucus for the last um, two years yeah and it, it may or may not continue we've seen that we did avert a shutdown thankfully yep um so but so it's coming at us again when um in mid-november right. when the temporary agreement times out and who knows what right. will happen there. i think it was described as last minute brinksmanship which we need to avoid um, really I agree. Do. You know, the, the markets, you know, people think that the Republican Party is good for the stock markets, but mm-hmm. every time they act up, you just watch the, the stock markets and the bond markets just crater right. because the, the world is losing confidence in, uh, you know, the Republican majority and the House's ability to govern and do things, basic things like keep the lights on in government. Right. Um, now, the um, United Auto Workers um, have been striking, and there have been, uh, you've visited um, various sites, mm-hmm. and you have been um, a staunch supporter of workers. We've talked no, about that. You know, you know, as, far, as, long as, I, as long as I've been in politics, it's yeah. just, you know, they're, they're such an important part of maintaining a healthy middle class. Right. And, and people forget that before we had unions, we did not have a healthy middle class. And during the, the heyday of the American economy in the 50s and 60s, that was because we had strong unions right. and, um, and a real growth of the middle class. And, and when they come under attack or when they're simply um, you know, doing their part of a negotiation using the leverage that organized workers have to get a fair wage, right. you know, we must support them. Right. So you know, there are UAW locations that are um, you know, being picketed you know, in Naperville and Bolingbrook that I visited. And a new part of my district is now up in Belvedere, the Chrysler assembly plant that you see when you're driving up that direction. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, for many decades, since the 1960s, that has been the heart and soul of the economy of Belvedere. Wow. And as the new representative in Congress of Belvedere, you know, when, when that was uh, idled, the plant has not been shut down, it's been idled. Okay. Um, and so we're trying to m- make sure, and, and the governor has been a very good partner in this, in getting all of the federal and state incentives we can muster to get Stellantis, the company that now owns it, um, to uh, do the right thing and provide an economic future for the city of Belvedere. Stellantis. Isn't yeah, it? what happened okay. is the Chrysler plant, and then Chrysler got bought by Fiat, and then Fiat right. b- got bought by this Dutch conglomerate called Stellantis. Okay 
who probably don't couldn't find Belvedere on a map and, right. and don't know much about the history of Chrysler and what it means to the American people right. um, or the workers. And this is this is why um, you know I'm a very big supporter of of what the UAW is doing to try to make sure that the workers of throughout the country that work at automobile plants, you know, they took a big salary and benefit cut um, during the automobile bailout 12 years ago now. Right. And they, you know, they and they never got made whole. And meanwhile, the the CEOs of, of the big auto companies have been giving themselves big, big, big raises. Right. And what they're what the workers are asking for is just the same 40 percent raise that the CEOs gave themselves. Exactly. And right. So for doing work is, the CEOs have not been doing particularly. Well, that's right. And so the leverage they have is, you know, when the job market's tight to. Um, let them know that you know workers have alternatives, right. and um, and so, but it's it's a serious situation with Belvedere, and that's since the time I started representing this new district. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think the only thing that's really cons- every ten, ten years after we have a, a census in the United States, um, someone down in Springfield cooks up these new maps, mm-hmm. and so you know when I'm deciding if I'm going to run for Congress, where am I going to run? My first question is, okay, where did they put Aurora? Okay, that's where I'm. <laughs> Right, right. And so now that where they put Aurora is now a district that, that loops all the way down um, up into Lake County, goes okay. into Lake County, the Volo Car Museum, if you've ever been there, or taken kids I there, you know. Not, oh, it's, no, it's neat. Okay, that that's Volo up Car Museum. Volo Car Museum. Oh, it's, okay. I, I'm going there with my grandson um, this weekend, actually. Okay. No, we, we just settled because my, yeah, my grandson's uh, in the suburbs of Milwaukee, and so halfway between there is, <laughs> halfway to Milwaukee is the north end of my district, basically. Oh, wow. And so then, and then it goes over to, um, you know, over to Belvedere, through, okay. through McHenry County into Belvedere, down into DeKalb County, Kane, Aurora, uh, Naperville, Bowling And just for fun, it, it goes into Will County, and then just for fun, we have a few precincts down in, in Cook County in Lamont. Wow. So I'm I'm what you call horizontally diversified. Very cool. <laughs> it's, it's, well, it's clear that I was not in the room when they drew the thing. It's right. A, it's a lot of driving, but and a lot of new people to meet. But it's also part of it's very nice. It's sort of I'm being reunited with people that I represented mm-hmm. uh, back when the first time I represented Aurora. It was Aurora, and then going out to the Mississippi River. Uh, to that was the old Dennis Haster district. Okay. That, and Dennis Haster gerrymandered for himself. Okay. And and so that was. But now a lot of the people there up in you know Batavia, Geneva, St. Charles. Got it. Are people I used to represent, and they're saying, Bill, it's been ten years. <laughs> right. Welcome back. Um, now we're also in Hispanic Heritage Month, which yep. goes to the fifteenth mm-hmm. of this month. Yep. Um, you have also been representing, been with members of the uh, Hispanic community. I think oh, most sure. recently in Naperville with the DuPage oh, Hispanic yeah, all, Well, you know, I think the the Grito that's become a tradition down at Rivers Edge Park is always okay. That is, you know, that is one of the neatest events. Um, you know that happens now every year, and is every year it seems to get bigger and bigger and bigger, and mm-hmm. it's a, a great fundraiser for uh, scholarships. Right. Um, since you've been um, representing, how have you seen that the, that Hispanic community grow in the time that you've been? Um, um, they have stood up proudly. That's okay. the thing. You know, it used to be, you know, when I first started this, there were you know people like, oh, I'll say his name, Jim Overweis was mm-hmm. you know just. You know, doing his famous helicopter ad, trying to vilify uh, Hispanics, and mm-hmm. you know, one of the things I've been fighting for all my time in Congress are things like the Dream Act or comprehensive immigration reform. Right. 
it, you know, it's really, you know, th- you know, there was a, a historic moment that almost came to be back in 2013 when the Senate passed comprehensive immigration reform. Right. Um, and and I, Luis Gutierrez and I were among those who were going around getting private commitments that um, from Republicans that if we found a way to get a, a vote on it, that they would vote for it. They'd never admit they were going to do it, um, you know, in, right. in public. They wouldn't get ahead of it. <clears throat> but if we found a way to convince the Republican Speaker John Boehner then That's to time. bring it up for a vote, that they would have voted for it. And so if it would have been brought up, it would have passed by 30 votes. Wow. And it would have changed history. Because people would see how good immigration is right. for our economy and for the health of our country. And when we wouldn't have this crisis at the border right now. Because the deal that was in that is, is sort of two sides of it. We would have a one-time amnesty for people who could pass background checks right. where you know good non-criminal histories as the vast majority right. um, of immigrants are. And so we'd have a one-time amnesty for them in return for real um, enforcement of E-Verify so that that would be it. Anyone past that, past that amnesty period would have to actually go through legal channels. And okay. when the word got out um, that, that the legal way into the U.S. was the only way in, then we would not be facing the sort of crisis we're having down at the border. Mm. And so it just it's a tragedy any way you look at and And Speaker Boehner now retired. Definitely a lost opportunity. Yeah, and he just says it's one of his biggest regrets. If he just would have gotten woken up any day and listened to the words of the Pope, <laughs> right. he was a very strong Catholic. And, right. And um, it's just one of the real tragedies, and it's a shame that he's realizing that now, that he's out of office. And, yeah. But, Didn't you write about in his book? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, the time is 8, 11 a.m. You're listening to and watching Good Morning Aurora, the second largest city's mm-hmm. first daily news podcast. And our guest today is Congressman Bill Foster. Oh, uh, and when you mentioned the Hispanic heritage, yeah. one of the neatest things that's happened is uh, 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 Susanna Rivera-Mills, the new um, head of Aurora University. That's right. Yeah, and she has the most um, uh, uplifting story about how she w- you know, escaped uh, terror. Uh, and she was born in El Salvador. Mm-hmm. And when she was, I think, 12 years old or something like that, escaped terror in there yeah. and came to the United States uh, for many of the same reasons that that many of the many of the asylum seekers are are coming into the U.S. Right, egregious violence. I think, uh, yeah. and then look uh, at what she's contributed to the United States. Right. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about the STEM Talent Act. Time is 8:11. Uh, tell mm-hmm. us about that. Well, you know, one of the craziest things we do in our country is that if you look at um, at the graduates of, of top universities and just universities that teach STEM talents, you know, at any at any level, you know, math, science, artificial intelligence, right. uh, chemistry, you know, all of these things that are important to our future, you know, typically about a third of these uh, of the students there um, are not born in the United States. Okay. And then when they finally get their degree, particularly an advanced degree like a PhD or master's, um, we say, okay, get out of here. Right. You're now pushed away from the United States. Right. And so the, the Keep STEM Talent Act is simply say, okay, if you, in the U.S., you've done well in school, you've achieved a Ph.D., for example, in a STEM field, that you basically use staple a green card to that Ph.D. Absolutely. Those that tough it out and uh, can hang on through the very tough academics of a 
you know, a right. PhD program. Um, okay, you've earned the right to um, live in the United States and start moving on a path to citizenship. Now that's doing right by them, and this is they've, earned, they've they've earned it, and that's and, really and they contribute so much. I mean, people study. Um, if you earned a PhD, come to the United States, earn a PhD, and find a way to stay in the United States. If you look five years later, on average, you've created five new American jobs. Hmm. So it's like the exact opposite of the narrative on. Right. Of, of destroying American jobs and so on. They, right. Um, um, and so what this you, is so. What's neat about this one this time mm -hmm. around? I've been pushing this for quite a while, um, and now I have a Republican co-lead on it. Um, so so okay. it is now it is a fully bipartisan uh, set of co-leads and and so and can we give a shout out to that co-lead? Oh, uh, oh sure, it's Mike Lawler, um, okay. who is a newly elected member from New York. Um, <laughs> now, now you have. I'm sure you have a huge viewership, but I'm sure there's not that much in New York right now. <laughs> it'll come. It'll come. It'll come. <laughs> it'll come. Yep. Uh, the uh, the next thing I want to talk about are prescription medication oh, savings, yep. Uh, yep. particularly for seniors. Yep. Um, I want to bring this up because there has been an increase in senior housing and different resources here in the community locally, especially for Kane County. So I wanted to, you know, uh, have folks hear about this. Um, yep. And this is about from the, the Inflation Reduction, Reduction Act. Act. Yeah, okay. this is legislation that uh, Democrats passed, okay. um, you know, early early in the in the previous session of Congress. Okay, um, and uh, or late in the previous session of Congress. There were two big things. There was there was the Infrastructure Act that's getting all of the new infrastructure rebuilt, mm -hmm. and the Inflation Reduction Act accomplished a bunch of things that were just overdue in many ways. And one of these is to do something about prescription prices. The biggest single thing is that starting in 2025, the, the cost of, of all of your prescriptions will be capped at $2,000. Wow. So that no matter what set of complicated drugs, you know, it doesn't matter, you know, if you're on chemotherapy, if you're on um, uh, what used to be extremely expensive insulin, mm -hmm. you know, that you were just... Um, getting just you know seeing your life savings evaporate right and so two thousand dollars a month isn't zero but it's for many seniors it's going to be a lifeline wow and so that starts in 2025 the other thing that's very significant is the um is the negotiation of drug prices now it, it's sort of interesting for some of the united states um you know the veterans administration mm -hmm. and, and so on we have always negotiated drug prices and we get a pretty good price just like other countries right but because of a law that was passed under the guidance of actually my predecessor aurora's former representative the former speaker of the house dennis hastert um we passed a law uh, back in the early 2000s that says government cannot negotiate drug prices just pay the drug companies whatever they ask which is insane. You know, as a mm -hmm. businessman, it drives me crazy that anyone would say, okay, I'm going to agree to, to pay you whatever you tell me to pay. That's ridiculous. Um, that's right. Yeah. And it has cost our government, you know, tens of billions of dollars of, de of debt that we're paying for this. And so we pay often, you know, 10 times or 30 times more than the, the amount that the companies charge other countries. Wow. Anyway, so, so this is starting to change. And yeah, very interesting story how that came about. Yeah. Uh, this was uh, there's a book that's actually written where the opening chapter is Dennis Hastert holding a vote open in the House of Representatives this is for Medicare Part D, and so initially, um, you know, all, many many Republicans looked at this. This is crazy. We are not going to pay the drug, drug companies whatever we want. We're going to vote no, and so he brought it up for a vote and it lost. And then instead of closing the vote and admitting he lost the vote, right. he held the vote open for hours. 
where all sorts of, um, you know, frankly corrupt promises were being made to members of, to Republicans to go back and change their vote. And so he held it open until he got enough people to change the vote. And that is how the law that says we will not negotiate drug prices came into being. Quite stunning from a party that would tout fiscal responsibility as one of its That's right. you know, well, chief I, priorities. No, I remember reading that book, and you know, I'd been not entirely satisfied with how Dennis Hastert, who was born in Aurora, had been uh, representing um, the area mm-hmm. uh, for a long time. But I was reading that book and was just sitting there, you know, just swearing it. You know, I can't believe this. Yeah, you know, we have a Congress that works this way. And my wife said, "Bill, please stop swearing. And why don't you, if you want to do something, and run for Congress?" <laughs> and so that Here was one of the points where I, you know, I just said, "Okay, you're right. I can either sit there and complain, or actually try to." fix things and do something about it and so that's why i actually started my my career in politics uh campaigning against dennis hastert wow and then you know he quit halfway through to become a lobbyist basically and then okay and then um and then that triggered a special election which i was fortunate enough to win back in 2000 march of 2008 all right anyway but um now you have a new office Yes, yes. We New moved office. from from New York Avenue down to Galena. Okay. I have to, remember, to make sure I do the 2003 West Galena uh, on the third floor of the uh, old Second National Bank building, if you know okay. where that is. Okay, old Second National Bank building, and that's by the Jewel Osco over there on the west side on mm-hmm. Galena and next to the uh, Dunkin' Donuts. That's right. You seem to navigate by Dunkin' Donuts. I've, I've noticed <laughs> this about you, <laughs> I do. I do. Yes. Yeah. Um, anywhere there's a Dunkin', I frequent the area. I like to know what's going on around it. Yeah, you yep. can find great things uh, around a Dunkin' Donuts, like your your previous office over there on New York Street. Um, mm-hmm. It was really cool next to a Dunkin' Donuts. Um, and we did go to a uh, – we are fortunate enough to attend a, a great discussion that you held at that office, and that was about um, the community and migration and immigrants and how we can help out and uh, what initiatives can be uh, brought to the city. That was a fruitful discussion, really was. Well, thank you. You It's been uh, trying to do right by our immigrant communities Mm -hmm. from all over the world is something that's just, it it should be important to America forever. And, you know, it's a tough discussion because, you know, if we said anyone who wants a better future for their children, that that's the standard for getting into the United States, you know, we would be, you know, half of the world would be here the next day. Right. So that can't be the standard. We need a legal set of rules, and um, and that has to work. And I was fascinated. One of the neat developments that I saw, mm-hmm. the uh, American Association of Immigration Lawyers, all right, has set up, they've partnered to form an artificial intelligence chatbot to provide immigration advice. Really? Yeah, in which I thought when I saw that, I said, that is a neat idea. Yeah. Because, you know, most, um, and, you know, like ChatGPT can work in 60 different languages, mm-hmm. and it's very fluent in, all, in those languages. And so now you have a, a chatbot that can um, offer hopefully valid immigration advice, um, you know, and in whatever language the immigrant arrives. And so that means you'll avoid some of the tragedy that happens when someone arrives in the United States having been lied to by someone that says, oh, you just walk into the United States right. and, and that there are no rules. Taking their money. Taking oh, their money, and they've been told, oh, you want, once you're in, there'll be no problems. And you say, no, I'm sorry, we have laws. You're, you know, yep. you're, you're not going to be allowed to stay. And getting that information to them as early as possible, you know, ideally, so that they can get their papers together and get the evidence they will need if they're going to apply for asylum, right. but have that happen in their home country before they leave so they haven't 
you know, given up everything they have and right. arrive, you know, because uh, the great majority, unfortunately, the great majority of people who are crossing the border right now will not, in the end, have a valid asylum. Right. Claim. And many people lose their lives in the journey. Uh, yep. For the interested viewer, there's a great PBS documentary. The, the name escapes me at the moment, but it basically talks about, like, the the journey. There are people oh. who do not make it. Not sure. everybody well, yeah, makes it. Yeah, the Darien Gap is yeah. just a nightmare. You know, there's a gap in the Pan American Highway. Mm-hmm. You know, you think it goes from all the way north to south. No, there's a gap. And you have to basically walk through the jungle and with all kinds of you know, terror. That's crazy. Um, and then you get here and water and bottles have been turned over or all the other shenanigans, the buoys and things like that at the border. Yeah, yeah. and it's just, you know, and, and, you know, the tragedy, if they had known ahead of time uh, that in the end they wouldn't have a valid case for asylum. Right. You know, and so right now we've been trying to get uh, enough judges to simply hear their cases, but there's a two-year backlog. And wow. so so because we know that some will have valid asylum cases, we have to give them a hearing. But, you know, it's it, it's a tough situation. And anyway, that was the only piece of good news I've seen is the, um, the AILA, the American Immigration Lawyers yeah. Association, that when I saw that I said, okay, that's a good application of AI to get everyone a high-quality um, AI chatbot speaking their language right. to tell them, all right, if you want an asylum case, here is the documentation you better have, and if not, you better not try to come because you're not going to be able to stay. Now, that is the positive of AI. Now, yep. there is had there not has been some, some concern and scrutiny about AI. Oh, yeah. So what is the flip side of, of that, and what's the work being done there? Well, that's one thing. I'm, I'm actually one of, I think, two... Um, actual AI programmers in okay. the United States Congress. You know, I, I started this actually back when I worked at Fermilab, where we would have um, we would have these big giant arguments inside our collaboration because um, you could do some analysis. What we were doing is smashing protons and antiprotons together to make particles that have not been around since the Big Bang, and so um, so one of the things we do is look at these and then use artificial intelligence, what are called neural networks, to look at these. Um, and and so the problem is that if you publish a paper that says we have discovered a new subatomic particle because our neural network says so, it's it, you know how do you even read such a paper? It's it's crazy. Right. And the same thing happens when you're using artificial intelligence, say to figure out if we're going to give you a loan or a mortgage. Right. Because if you say your mortgage was turned down because our neural network says so, that's not an acceptable answer. Right. Um, and so that there's one of the big needs in artificial intelligence is the, the explainability problem, it's called. That when you have a decision made by artificial intelligence, you have to be able to explain it to the person whose life is, is affected. Right. And, and there's all sorts of, of, you know, sort of sketchy results that have come about when you don't pay attention to that. You know, for example, um, sometimes there's a job opening and you get 10,000 applicants mm-hmm. and no, they don't, the companies don't have time so what they do is they turn it over to someone who runs an artificial intelligence algorithm to filter you right. know, the, what are the 100 most promising candidates right. and if you're not careful those 100 will have all kinds of, of you know, racial bias or gender mm-hmm. bias or cultural bias or so on and so you're not going to be selecting necessarily the best candidates and so that is... Um, when people's lives are affected by that, you have to be able to explain the decision, and you have to have a mechanism to check if you're introducing biases and things like that. So for the last um, last two Congresses, I have been chairing 
the um, Artificial Intelligence Task Force in the House Financial Services Committee. So we've been looking at all these these issues of bias, and it, it causes you actually to think very deeply about uh, about things like what you mean by fair. You think everyone knows what fair is, but you know when I was researching this, I encountered a, a famous article that has 25 different definitions of fairness, and every one of them made sense in a certain way. Hmm. You know, and, and you know, part of it is uh, sort of similar to the the debate over affirmative action, where sure. are we are we demanding equality of opportunity or, e- or equality of result? Hmm. Okay, and you know, you right. can in different fields you can argue it either way, uh, but you know, there's just a million things. Where do you believe the limits should be on AI? Um, it, they're going to be very different in different areas. Okay, sure. You know, if someone's just auto com- auto completing your text message, okay, everyone can understand. You know, they, you know, there, there's this um, very humorous uh, website called DYAC. DYAC, you know, which means "Damn you, autocorrect." Okay, <laughs> <laughs> and this is where some really embarrassing things get autocorrected on people's uh, text messages. Yeah. And, you know, that's a relatively harmless use of AI. Right. All right. But when you start saying, okay, we're going to pre-screen job applicants, that's a big deal. Absolutely. When you're starting to use it in the military, you know, as everyone is, um, you use it to identify targets. Right. And so far, uh, most armies seem to be using them to identify this one's a tank and this one's a car and we're going to blow up the tank and not the car. Right. But you can also use them, things like facial ID, to go after individual people. Absolutely. Yeah, and if you ever want to get um, sort of really frightened about where this could go, if you Google the term slaughter bots, slaughter bots, one word, um, there's a, uh, actually a former physicist who's now an AI programmer commissioned this, and he said this is how bad it can be if the world is full of drones that can recognize someone's face and then go and land on their forehead and go bang and right. kill them. And so you could just send out swarms of drones to assassinate individual people. Right. And you know, one of the one of the scenes in there is um, using it to assassinate members of the United States Senate. That's terrible. It's you know, but it's look at in Ukraine, they're having you know, they're using more and more. Both sides are using more and more artificial intelligence in war. It's yeah. coming at us, and we have to understand if there will be some kind of international agreement, like don't use chemical weapons. Um, to say right. maybe we should not use swarms of drones to assassinate. Yeah, because I think Ukraine is right now being billed as the first drone war. Like yeah. it's 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 making or has made. Yeah. Un- unfortunately, and, and history has the, that. That's right. And and one of the things that we have to do is make sure we don't get caught behind, because you know the what's often called the military-industrial complex right. is not so much about winning wars, but about uh, spending a lot of money on big military contractors. They love the big mega projects right. and the giant aircraft carriers and stuff like this. Um, and if you say, well, if we put the same money into drones or just even guided missiles, wow. would we have a more effective, you know, and, and there's a big problem right now. We have all of these carrier groups. Right. You know, we have, um, you know, I, I serve on the Financial Services Committee with Maxine Waters, and one of the, the points she make is we have something like 11 or 12 carrier groups, which is an aircraft carrier and all the ships that travel right. with it. Group, yep. um, I think the number is about $13 billion, which is the amount that we need to cure homelessness in this country. And what the point that Maxine makes is let's say we only had, instead of 12, only 11 carrier groups, but no homelessness. Would we actually be a better country? Heck and yeah. that's a deep that's a deep question, and it's good for Maxine for bringing that up. Right. 
because you know there are trade-offs here. But equally well, if we spend money on a carrier group that's going to get wiped out in the first 30 minutes of a war with China, which it will, if, we, if it's too close Who to Who's building Taiwan. carriers? Well, they're building carriers, which is their mistake. Uh, what they should be doing is building lots of, of small drones that can launch guided missiles. Hmm. Um, or, or just small drones that can just sneak up and go boom, which is, you know, the, U the Ukrainians are having very good results with. They're destroying tanks with drones. Tanks amazing. With and, and ships with drones. That's little, right. Little, yeah. little boats that drive around and they have a big barrel, yeah. barrel of explosives on the front. They sank and a submarine. Are, they sank the Mosca. Yeah, and so you can, you can you know, it's, it's asymmetric war. You can sink a billion-dollar object with a $100,000 drone. And so we have to make sure that we do what's necessary to win the wars of the future. Right. And that means we're going to have an arm wrestling contest with the military lobbyists on this. All right. So that's one of the many, many dragons we have to fight in Washington, D.C. The time is 8.29 a.m. Congressman, you came loaded for bear today. You did. You, you, you came. Well, you know, that's, well, people tend to focus on just the fights in, <laughs> right. in Washington. But in parallel, there are many, many things that we have to get right as a government. And very often I have uh, Republican partners in a lot of this stuff. Right. Like the, my work in AI. My partner in that is a guy called Jay Obernolte. Who is a? He's well. He represents Death Valley. Could you imagine? It's a pretty Republican area, right? Um, and so J Jay, however, in his youth, got a master's degree in electrical engineering from Caltech. So he and he made his fortune in video games. So he's actually um, he's, he's my partner, and he's the other real AI programmer in the U.S. Congress. All right. And so um, and he refers sometimes to you know everyone says what is Congress going to do about AI. And then well, we come up with these blue ribbon reports, and we come up with a program, let's educate Congress about AI. Right. Know, and so I, I don't know how that's going. But, um, <laughs> but, but, and so he refers to all of these blue ribbon things as, you know, a little more than a cluster of buzzwords flying in tight formation, hmm. which I think is a very good visual for, yeah. for what's happening. That's amazing. But, um, the time is 8.31 a.m., uh, this was a great conversation that we had with Congressman Bill Foster. Um, you can uh, learn more about Congressman Foster and their activities. Please visit their um, the uh, office, 2000 West Galena, Suite 303, and also follow Congressman Bill Foster on Facebook and Instagram, Rep Bill Foster, uh, and also the website as well. Learn about the things going on in the, um, in the district and how you can be involved. Um, Congressman, uh, we're going to go to our, our break in next segment, but um, what is your message of the day? for the folks in the district and especially Aurora? Um, that we should keep our eyes on making sure our government works right at all levels. You know, don't get mesmerized by the chaos in Washington. You know, we're doing the best we can there. But, you know, when I see the progress of Aurora, um, it just makes me, you know, and that, that is the, it is the work of generations uh, mm -hmm. to make, to look at Aurora's upward trajectory. Um, and, um, you know, just to look at River's Edge Park, you look at just all of the things that have made downtown Aurora from something where when I moved here, geez, um, 40 years ago now. Wow. Um, you know, Aurora was a place, okay, you know, just be careful when you drive through Aurora yeah. type thing. Mm -hmm. And now it's a place that kids love to go downtown and hang around. Um, and it's, it's absolutely. Neat. And that's the work of generations. You know, you say, okay, we don't want to have, you know, junkyards of on the on the river we should make them make them parks and everything like that and so this is um uh, 
and and that's really it only happens when you get citizen engagement and so when you you get you know people like Brandon Tolliver is the youngest member of the of the council yep. right now involved and it was a long history of helping out every way he can yeah, he and does. when he's stepping up to replace Shakita Hartburns who spent a big part of her life making Aurora a better place it just gives you confidence in the next generation and in community involvement um, you know, and in some at some point, having you know a really great next set of people to go step into our shoes at, in Washington D.C. Absolutely, absolutely. Thank you very much for those words, Congressman. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, we appreciate the interview. Now we're going to show you a very good clip uh, from a, a recent event that took place. Well, not too recent, a couple months ago, it was the Everyday Heroes Breakfast. We were invited. Three Fires Council, our friend Dan Barrero, and others in the community were there. It was a fantastic event. We're going to show you one of the great awards that was presented that particular day uh, by our dear friend Simon Rodriguez of the City of Aurora's Community, or excuse me, uh, Youth Services. Uh, so right now, we're going to take you to that, and then we'll come back and give you the uh, the news in just a little bit. Honor to uh, talk about our first honoree this morning. And our first honoree is Officer Sky Calise McDowell, a nine-year veteran of the Aurora Police Department and school resource, school resource officer at East Aurora High School, go Tomcats. She's also the founder of Girls Run the World, which is a program designed to connect young girls um, with female police officers and enhances uh, their leadership and uh, enhances leadership and prepares youth to become change agents within their communities. And I myself have uh, personally seen what the development of that program has done for our, our young individuals here in our community. So um, again, we're all here in, in, in our different capacities to serve young people. And I can tell you again from my experience that um, the Girls Run the World is such a phenomenal program and these mentorship programs are just so vital to the success of our young people. And so it is, is again, it is my honor to recognize Officer Sky uh, Khalees McDowell this morning. And if I can ask um, two, two amazing individuals to accept on her behalf, unfortunately, Officer Sky cannot be here this morning, but we have uh, two individuals accepting the award on her behalf. So if I can please have our Deputy Mayor, Mendel Trujillo, and Officer um, Star Perella, Perella, excuse me, to come up on stage to be to uh, accept the award on the behalf. Round of applause, please.
All right. We are back. The time is 8.36 a.m. Hope that you guys like that clip from the Everyday Heroes Breakfast. Uh, shout out to our dear friends Dan Barrero. Oh, boy. Uh, Lynn Bogacki. Uh, so many people. A lot of people were there that particular day. Wani Garza. Uh, Mary Garza. So many great people were there that day. It felt really good to be involved, take part, and to showcase what's happening um, here in the city. Tom Hebert is here. Good morning to you, Tom. John Tracy Duran, so many great people. Nia Lewis, uh, Jen Ingram, Nora Peterson, Harish, good to see you guys. Saul Olivas as well, good morning to you. Hope to see you at First Friday in downtown Aurora this evening. Josue Pais, Nicole Astra, and uh, thank you for all you do, Bill Foster. He appreciated that, you guys. That was a great conversation, um, an interview that we had. It was really good. And Daniel Calderon, good morning to you. Stephanie Nunez, Debbie Mossberg, so many great people uh, in the chat today. All right, we're going to do this news for you guys, talk about the local news and get you guys ready uh, for the weekend and what's coming up. And don't forget, tonight is First Friday. So go on out there, have a good time. Uh, we'll tell you about two great things happening tonight. On the screen right now is the Love Purse Movement. The Love Purse Movement connect, uh, excuse me, collects new purses that are filled with personal care items and notes of encouragement to distribute in need, uh, to in-need women and survivors of uh, domestic abuse. There are different drop-off locations that are on the flyer on the screen. We'll be posting this as well. This is uh, presented by Senator Susie Glowiak-Hilton, but there's other different um, reps and senators involved as well. And their offices are on this flyer. You can drop off and donate new or gently used purses um, to support this initiative. Don't forget that this month is Domestic Violence Awareness Month, so anything that you can do to help out an initiative like this would be greatly appreciated. Once again, this is the Love Purse Drive, and it is going into the 31st of this month. All right. Next up is the Cultural Paths Michoacan Arts Event. Um, now, that's taking place at the David L. Pierce uh, Art and History Museum, 20 East Downer Place. It'll be on the third floor. This is presented by our friends of the City of Aurora's Public Art Commission. Uh, and um, Jen Byrne is our dear friend who runs that commission. Opening reception is going to be from 6 to 9 p.m. tonight. The printmaking workshop uh, is coming up next month, and I'll tell you guys about that. Um, but the Aurora Public Art will host this Cultural Path Michoacan Art new exhibit curated by Renee Arceo in collaboration with Casa Michoacan and the Federation of Michoacan Clubs of Illinois. Uh, the exhibit will be on display from tonight going until the 18th, so it's not a one evening thing. Um, third floor gallery, David O. Pierce Art and History Center, and admission is free and it's open to the public. Now, this exhibit tonight, uh, the reception features live music and traditional foods sponsored by Casa Michoacan. Performances will include the Minizia and Group and Luz Marquez and Juan Rivera playing Piracus, traditional love songs. Uh, so that'll be good. Come on out there and see that. All right. Also coming up this weekend is the Hispanic Heritage Celebration Community Expo, which is going to be taking place at the Prisco Center, uh, 150 West Illinois Avenue. This is open to all 
free and open to the public. Great activities for kids as well. It'll be from 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. Um, tomorrow at the Prisco Center. For more information, you can call 331-300-3566. That number again, 331-300-3566. Uh, this is presented by the uh, Neighbor Project and Everlasting Word Church. Everlasting Word Church is located at 22 North Highland in Aurora. All right. Um, also, this weekend coming up, don't forget Community Hero Day. That's going to be taking place tomorrow once again from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. This is presented by the Aurora Regional uh, Fire Museum and First Alert. Um, Touch a Truck features many great different vehicles uh, the, from the Fire Department, King County Sheriff's Office, Illinois Tollway, Groot, ComEd, and NICOR Gas, just to name a few. At 1 o'clock p.m., there's going to be a live fire demonstration as well. See firsthand how quickly a fire can spread and witness the role of fire sprinklers uh, in saving lives and property. Also, take a ride in a former fire engine with O'Leary's Fire Truck Tours. Now, that's a humdinger. Other community partners will be there as well, including Pace Suburban Bus, DeNova Detect, Metro Police, APS Training Academy, the Citizens Police Academy, alumni of Aurora, full of friends of ours, and IMSA, the Illinois Mathematics and Science Academy. Food trucks will be there, including Hello Boba, Rainbow Cone, and our personal friends, Strawberries Barbecue. Saturday, 10 a.m. to 2. All right. Uh, coming up next. Coming up next. Now, Alex, I don't know. You know, Alex is pretty cool because they can hear me talking to you and they'll get to know you. They're like, who's Alex? Alex is the man. Alex, I don't have that. Uh, and you know what? He's really small. I can read that. The 19th of October, our friends of Senior Services Associates are presenting the Senior Residence Volunteer thing. Uh that's really tidy. Let's skip that. Let's skip that. Scratch it up. Rucker, 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 rucker. All right. Let's move on to one that I have printed out in front of me. October 21st uh, from 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. is going to be the Java Plus Chili Cook-Off. This is going to be a fantastic event. I think this is their third or fourth year doing this. Cook and compete. Win a $100 prize. Submit a completed contestant application and $25 entry fee by October 13th. So you still got time. We've posted this in a million places, including our Instagram. The QR code is right there on this particular flyer. Uh, whether you want to cook and compete or just eat, that eating, tasting, and voting is $7. So you pay 7 bucks, you get to eat and taste and vote all the good food. Java Plus is located at 1677 Montgomery Road in Aurora, right next door to the office of State Representative Stephanie Kifowit, great friend of the show and an awesome state rep. Uh, for more information, you can contact our friend Javier at Javier, excuse me, at javapluscoffee.com. Okay. Next up, ladies and gentlemen, is the seventh annual Polar Bear Outing Marimba Players Scholarship Fundraiser. This is going to be at Orchard Valley Golf Course, Saturday, October 21st. Registration begins at 11 o'clock a.m. with a shotgun start at 1 p.m. Uh, the price is $125 per golfer. Golf carts range, balls, and funds are, uh, f oh my God, fun is included. Sip it up. Just sip it up. <sighs> For those of you who are just discovering this show, whenever we mess up our words, we sip it up. That way we refresh ourselves, cleanse our mind, and start over fresh. Let's try that again. Golf carts, range, balls, and fun is included. 
uh, in your price per golfer. And dinner begins at 6 o'clock p.m. You can sponsor a hole as well. There's also going to be raffles, too. Uh, don't forget, Saturday, October 21st, this will be at Orchard Valley Golf Course. For more information, you can call 630-327-9476. That number again is 630-327-9476. Norma sipping it up. Jo- uh, Josie Mendoza-Geller, good morning to you as well. All right, text or email our friend Gil. Next, coming up on the 21st, is the uh, Neighbor Project's 80s Fundraising Gala. This is going to be a great night. It'll be from 6 to 9 p.m. at the venue located at 21 South Broadway. The venue is a fantastic music location. Many great shows and acts go there. Melissa Mercado gets a shout-out today. Um, But this event's going to be a lot of fun. The Neighbor Project helps solve the puzzle of home ownership. Come learn and see how that is done. Take part sponsorships are available and tickets are available as well by going to the website at neighborproject.us. You'll see the link in the banner right there. Click that and you can purchase your table, single, couple tickets or sponsorships as well. So please don't forget that that's going to be a fantastic event. Now, Alex, let's do this. Let's hit them with we uh, let's hit them with the the Thursday, November 2nd Dia de los Muertos. Thank you. Yeah, let's hit him with that. Let's hit him with that. It's 846. And I think we'll land uh, after this. Then we'll start landing the plane. Okay. Uh, you are invited to the Illinois House Latino Caucus fundraiser for the Dia de los Muertos. Um, taking place at Moe's Cantina, 155 West Kinsey in Chicago. That's River North. It's going to be Thursday, November 2nd. Tickets are available and sponsorships as well. The flyer has been shared on many of our uh, social media pages, so please check that out. And also you can uh, learn more about what the House Latino Caucus does by following them on Facebook as well. Uh, But this is going to be a great event. Moe's Cantina is a really good place. Um, Great food, great um, beer and drinks. So uh, please come on out for that. November 2nd is the day. Tickets and sponsorships are available right there. so feel free to share that. All right. So right now it's 847, um, you guys. And this has been a heck of a week. Uh, this is our, I believe, second week in the new location with a new feel, new format, and a new style. I also do believe that um, in all the things that we've shown you, we've shown you some really interesting things about the early parts of Good Morning Aurora. We're going to dig a little bit deeper next week, and we're going to focus on some specific conversations with specific individuals, too, and how those conversations have moved and shaped uh, some of what the show has done and some of what the news has been. Uh, As you guys know, the purpose of the things that we talk about, all of this right here is not just to show you something that's happening it's the um the the explicit purpose and goal for you to come out and take part in the activity that you hear about when you hear us talk about things it's for you to come on out take part in it park your car get out come to the resource fair check out strawberries barbecue support the woodcrafters learn about um domestic um or uh, document the abuse learn about what's going on out there uh be a part of the community um so the time is 8 48 a.m daniel calderon tells us enjoy the rest of your day and weekend love peace and happiness that's a fact my brother that is a fact and that is an excellent way um to end the show this morning hope that you guys really appreciate the new content um we love showing it to you we love showcasing what's going on in the city you'll see us everywhere 
and uh, we are prepared to show you guys a whole lot more. Next week, we've got some more great interviews for you. And Monday is special because we got something entirely new for you. The show will talk about a topic and an industry that we haven't really done before. Haven't really done it yet. So it's coming. Hope that you guys have a safe weekend, a blessed weekend, a positive and uplifting weekend. We will see you next week with more news, more weather, more content, and the very best of Aurora. Please take care of yourself and each other. Ladies and gentlemen, pour yourself a cup of coffee and tune in to Good Morning Aurora. New weather and really cool energy. Monday through Friday from 8 to 9 a.m. Mm-hmm.